Hello and welcome to Blowing Cartridges, the gaming podcast where we dive into the issues surrounding gaming, culture and the games themselves. I'm Brendan Tan and as always I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Zach Clark. So Zach, yes this will instantly age our podcast episode but Victoria is back into another lockdown and well we can't really go outside for the next seven days so... Playing games is a pretty good way to pass the time, and I, I know I played plenty during the last lockdown, but movies are pretty good as well. So I guess, what in your eyes, what makes a good movie, and are there any on your list that you want to watch at the moment? Man, great question, Brendan. Um, I do enjoy the odd film on occasion, and I think for me, what makes it uh, good is uh, it can be really mixed. I mean, I, I think for me, I, I enjoy an engaging plot, like a, a thriller kind of movie with a good amount of suspense and sort of like, you know, keeps you sort of guessing about what's going to happen next. It doesn't have to be a mystery, but just sort of, you know, thinking, oh, what's, where's this going to go? Where's the plot going to lead is always ideal. Or, you know, sometimes if you're just in the mood for it, something with a real sort of jolly or emotional kind of... Um, vibe can be really good as well even if it's kind of obvious what direction it's going to go um if the acting can sort of pull it through and make me feel something whether that's joy anger sadness um i'm all in on a on a film so that's the kind of things that i look for in a good you know film that's going to try and keep me engaged for an hour to two hours or so i definitely agree with you because i think there's many different aspects of what makes a good film there's Things like cinematography, which is an art form, there's great soundtracks, there's all different elements that go into a movie, like the acting, like you mentioned. But one aspect that I think most people who go to movies will be preoccupied about and will always think about and talk about is the setting, narrative and story of movies. So, yes, you can have great acting, yes, the movie can make you feel something, it can empathize with characters it can make you empathize with the film it can make you warm and cuddly on the inside if i'm the be cliched but it all comes down to people generally talk about well what was the movie about like was it set in space was it set on the moon was it about a two-way divorce battle between a divorcing husband and wife like what what's the plot and for many people the plot drives enjoyment of movies and I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of movies aren't unique ideas, particularly mainstream, your blockbuster movies. You look at the current blockbusters that come out, and most of them are either they're sequels, they're remakes, they're based on books, they're based on comic books, they're reimaginings of classic ideas that have already been done. There's a lot of reiteration in the film industry, and I guess how we're trying to tie this into blowing cartridges and the cartridge I've brought today for us to analyse and give a blow is movies that are based on games and and the different narratives around this because I get generally video game movies are always much maligned, they're always criticised. Most people out there will say there's not a good one. Before we dive back into that topic, I'd like to know from you, Zach, how important is the setting of a movie for you? Is is that like a deal breaker? Will you go see a movie that's about one thing but not the other thing, for example? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I feel like in general, there are certain settings that appeal to me more than others. 
Uh, and they can sometimes be linked to genre, I suppose. Like, there are definitely a lot of sci-fi films I enjoy. It's probably not my first preference, for example, in terms of what I enjoy the most. And the type of sci-fi and the world it's setting can really change how much I enjoy it. Um, you know, if it's just sort of aliens, spaceships, that kind of stuff, I'm less interested in something that's maybe a bit more of a unique take on that that genre. But at the end of the day, if you can, again, tick the other boxes of great plot, great acting, um, or, or funny, or whatever you're sort of going for, I'll, I'll watch pretty much anything. So it's it's not a must it's just one of the many components you can get right or wrong that will either make the movie, you know, stand out or um, just sort of be a snooze fest for me. But like, what about yourself? Is there, is there a particular setting that you dislike <laughs> uh, or, or love more than others? So I must say I've been relatively desensitized when it comes to films. I'm at the stage where I'll pretty much watch nearly anything because when I lived in because when I lived in Edinburgh, I had this, I had a subscription to one of the cinemas, Cineworld, and basically you paid a monthly subscription fee and you could go watch as many movies as you wanted. So a group of friends and I, we would go multiple times a week and we'd just go for the sake of seeing a movie and we saw nearly every major release and some weird minor releases as well. So for me, I'll, I'll go watch most movies, but I guess I must say I agree with you in that I think settings will grab me in like I love I've always loved fantasy as a setting I've lo- I love historical movies anything based on British history or Australian history or American history like period dramas I I love them and I'll go watch those for the sake of going to watch them even though a lot of them are not very good honestly but those are the sort of movies that will grab me and I want to go watch and I love your dumb action movies as well like your Fast and the Furiouses and anything with like Jason Stratham and <laughs> Liam Neeson and because Liam Neeson just needs to keep on rescuing people. He needs to keep on saving saving planes from terrorism, saving trains from terrorism, saving cars from terrorism. It, it's a very important job and Liam Neeson gets it done. So speaking of Liam Neeson, I think... The genre of action films is probably the most similar to video games in many ways because I think the argument can be made that many action movies could make good action video games. There's that cross there because in many ways watching those explosions, watching those visceral moments in an action movie is similar to the interactivity you get in gaming. But And I guess most video game movies will lean towards that adventure genre, won't they? You don't really see a, a movie based on a video game that sits outside of that particular model of, oh, it's an adventure, there's a good guy, there's a bad guy, and there's a journey, and you have that hero's journey motif, and then there's an epic conclusion, and then it, it ends. And I think most of them follow that linear narrative in many ways. That might be one of the reasons why there's always a lot of criticisms of them is that if you take away the trimmings, if you take away the video games, it's they're all very similar in many ways. It's it's, it's very much a spectacle more than anything, I guess. Do, do you have a strong opinion on this topic? 
Okay, well, yeah, I actually do have a bit of a strong opinion on this and more related to a recent big film I saw being Raya and the Last Dragon, one of the more recent Disney films at the time of, of this recording, at least. Because if you went on Twitter, you would have seen a lot of people talk about how it felt a lot like a Legend of Zelda game or something of that nature, right? You know, you go around and collect, you know, your five or six MacGuffin sort of devices and uh, they each give you, or in this case, the, the main protagonist, a... Uh, a new power and maybe get some new people in your party and whatnot. And while a lot of people loved it because of that, I kind of found it a little less interesting because it's like, well, I've, I've experienced this. I've played this. I've done this style of adventure uh, before many times. And without the interactivity, the story in of itself isn't really bringing me all that much new. So it was sort of, you know, maybe that's where I disconnected from maybe the general audience who aren't, necessarily playing games or the same types as games as I do but it was definitely an element of that sort of you know adventure style movie slash game you know similarities that you just pointed out uh in your, your previous uh comments I definitely agree with you because I didn't see the commentary around Raya and the last dragon on Twitter but I definitely agree with that sentiment it, it very much thinking about it it very much does feel like that sort of Legend of Zelda action RPG adventure type game like your Zeldas, like your Horizon Zero Dawns, like all those games in one. And I have to agree with you. I think that's why there's that hollow element to it because I'm coming out strong from the gates with my opinions on this topic. But I very much think that one of the reasons why video game movies are always much maligned is that there's just something missing from that transition. There's there's something... Games are inherently interactive. I think that's what we've stressed in a lot of our episodes so far. And that interactivity is lost when you transition it to a movie. And I think unless they do something interesting and innovative and just move away from the video game aspect of it, they get caught up in the weeds of what makes a video game good and what what makes a movie good because they are very different aspects. And I don't think they are necessarily cohesive. And I think that's why... In many cases, you just get a pretty average B-grade movie. Like, some of them can be a lot of fun, and we'll get into that shortly. But I think there's that, that interactivity is key, and it's missing when you turn it into a movie. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's very different to adapting a book or a um, you know some other sort of medium, like comics and that kind of stuff, right? Which have their own challenges and their own issues, and definitely, I'm sure... We can all point to many, 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 many horrible adaptions of films based on books and comics. But yeah, the interactivity piece is one that they don't have to solve for because those other mediums aren't interactive, right? So it's more about the other issues which also plague the transition from games typically to a film um, that, that come into play there. But yes, the interactivity is a very unique issue, exclusive to game-to-film adaptations. And I think one of the reasons why books and comic books, to an extent, lend themselves more to that adaptation process into movies. Like, we could spend many, many podcasts talking about brilliant movies that are based on books. Like, I can think of a few off the top of my head. But I think the reason is that what movies do to books and comic books is that they bring them to life. They add that visual aspect. They add the audio visual aspect to that medium that brings the stories alive. That, yes, when you read a book, if you have an active imagination, you can imagine the scenes, you can imagine the characters. But 
when you put them in a movie, if you put them in a TV show, you can, at that moment, you can you can visualize, you can hear, you can see what it, the book would be like. And I think that's what grabs a lot of people. That That's part of the appeal. I think that's why comic books work so well, because I guess, unlike books, comic books already have that visual aspect, but you're elevating it by bringing it to life. Whereas, in many ways, video games already have that visual aspect. It's a 3D world. You see into the game. You interact with the game as well as seeing it, and you and you have that audio visual aspect as well. Because most games, a lot of games have brilliant soundtracks. A lot of movies have brilliant soundtracks. And I think perhaps it's because of those similarities in the audio visual component that makes that interactivity all the more important. And I guess why a lot of people argue that video games have weak stories and that a lot of video games struggle when it comes to plot and character development and the like because it, it leverages that interactivity piece which is lays at the heart whereas when you take that away when you strip away the interactivity you often aren't left with anything particularly innovative particularly interesting particularly unique and then when you transform what's left into a movie well the results aren't all that shiny yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think it's also about ha- like the execution of how you translate those uh, interactive moments into scenes, right? Like it's very challenging to like make something which is fun to do in a game, like, you know, shoot up a bunch of bad guys, stand out in a film where there are so many other, say, action films, right, that are about, you know, shooting up a bunch of bad guys in a secret base or blowing up some trucks or whatever it is. So I definitely think like how you can make those moments that are really feel iconic in a game because of, yeah, the fact you're doing it and it just feels like you're a badass or it's just fun and interesting to do into just a thing that you're observing on the side is, is very challenging. I mean, it's sort of like when you're, you, you know, mom or dad or whatever walks into the room and sort of just watches you play a game and they say, I don't understand how this is appealing at all. Like it's well, it's cause you're not playing it. You're just watching me do something um, that looks probably quite boring or quite dull from a, you know, far removed from the hobby and far removed from um, understanding the context of, of where I'm at in the game or what I'm doing. So yeah, a hundred percent. I think you've, you've nailed it as to why that's such a big issue. To dive into the topic at hand, stretch your memory backwards, Zach. What's the first video game movie? that you can remember because I think we've spent enough time talking about why we think these are terrible endeavors and we can tear some of our favorites <laughs> to pieces uh, in the next little while. But w- what's that first one you remember? I think I know what you're going to say and I probably will say the same thing, but w- what is it? Well, if we're thinking of the same thing, it's probably Pokemon, mm-hmm. but I also feel like that doesn't shouldn't count, right? Because... <laughs> I think this is a re- I mean we'll we'll continue on what you're talking about but it's a good point to to discern there's like video game like adaptations of games which try to actually replicate the story and everything from the video game themselves and then there's movies just kind of set in the game world right and Pokemon is that um obviously it's actually you know like even an extension of a, an existing TV show you know of itself so it's got that added layer of of world building already there but definitely has some advantages right that it isn't just trying to retell the story of the you know pokemon red and blue green games which is why i think you know it was good uh at least as a kid i think it definitely was enjoyable hard to say 
as an adult, how much is nostalgia and how much is um, it being a genuinely good film? Probably a lot of nostalgia, if we're being honest. A hundred percent nostalgia, Zach. I remember. I yeah. think, yeah, it would have been the twentieth anniversary of that film. Was in that would have been about 2016, 2017, right? Some, yeah, yes, because they did that remake of it. Well, they did the remake, but doubly so. Hoyt's in Melbourne, in Melbourne Central. They did screenings of the original movie. Yeah, and oh, I, yeah. I remember going with two friends. One of them was my childhood best friend. Like, we grew up watching the anime. We grew up watching the movie. And we absolutely loved it. We're like, yeah, this is great. Like, oh, the memories are coming back. The nostalgia was thick. It was a fantastic experience. But our other friend... She had barely had any knowledge of Pokemon. She did not watch it growing up. Probably couldn't care less about Pokemon. Like, of course, knows po- what Pokemon is in a sort of philosophical sense. If Actually, that's probably the wrong term to use. But let's say philosophical sense because there's deep philosophy and storytelling in Pokemon. <laughs> but, yeah, she was just like, what, what was this, guys? Like, this, this was a terrible movie and that was the end of a friendship. Or, or not quite, but it, it probably should have been the end of a friendship. But I definitely agree with you. It's... <laughs> As children, we loved it. I think if we came to it as objective adults, we'd have more questions and answers, but but it was a fantastic movie at the time, and I think probably a bit more would more suit a discussion on what are good anime film adaptations, but I count it as a video game movie. The video game made it popular. In some ways, you can split hairs on a lot of these things, right? Like, what came first is the video game, then the anime, then this movie based on the anime. And I mean, even looking at other things, it's like James Bond, like going the other direction, James Bond, GoldenEye to a video game, which was a very good game. But would anyone go back and argue, well, actually, it's based on a book series? Like, <laughs> you could probably make the argument and it's sort of right, but you never associate them together, right? And the book's based on Ian Fleming's personal life. So is goldeneye the video game based on ian fleming's life yeah well there you go that's the the true deep deep uh, um connection that only real fans understand the biographical movie goldeneye i wonder like does he have family i would be curious to see like his family or something like playing goldeneye that'd make of <laughs> like a very entertaining youtube video <laughs> we have ian fleming's family his grandson is right here and he is playing goldeneye on the nintendo 64 it feels like something Watch Mojo would do, or or they what was that channel like? That channel that's like teens will react to play in the old games of yeah, your childhood. I think it's just called React or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Anyway, a, a little tangent, but yeah, I think that's definitely we've touched on what I probably remember first as a kid. I don't think I really engaged in a lot of video game movies until I started to get to that like. 11 maybe 10 11 sort of age and you start to see m and ma sort of rated films because a lot of the ones i really remember going to see are stuff like doom and max Payne and hitman and that kind of stuff when they were all coming out uh despite having played very little of all those games (laughs) and i guess that that loops into one of our previous comments in that all those are action type movies aren't they they i think out of them i've only seen Max Payne. I did see Hitman, but I saw the more recent Hitman, not the classic Hitman. I think they're both called Hitman, like, confusingly mm. enough. They all tried to fit that action movie stereotype, especially those ones from the early 2000s, didn't they? I guess that's what, that, that is what was in vogue at the time, if we think back. Mm, no, 100%. And it, it really shows with, you know, the ones that don't 
I guess, faithfully recreate what their source material is, which I think are really can either be a real blessing or a curse when it comes to those video games, right? Uh, well, sorry, adaptation films of any kind. Probably one of the bigger series that you, I'm sure you've seen, if you haven't, I'd be shocked, it would be like the Mila Djokovic Resident Evil films. And I remember, because that's mm-hmm. a series I have played, and when I saw those, even though they're very popular, and in you know, their own right, are not the worst films. They're, they can be enjoyable. As a fan of Resident Evil, the games, I, you know, found them quite, frustrating at least particularly as a kid because all i was or teenager or wherever old i was all i could think about was how like she's not a character in the games like none of this happened in any of the games uh it hasn't got the same like tense horror atmosphere that resident evil 1 had which is what you know i sort of expected going in it definitely was more actiony more close to say resident evil 5 if anything um or 6 but it's sort of interesting like again coming at it from that angle where these are films that are quite popular and liked in their own right, but as a fan who knows the lore and the world of Resident Evil, sort of left me a bit frustrated. Does out of interest, does that bother you? Like, do you need your video game adaptations to sort of stick? You know, more um, doesn't really matter too much as long as they get the the tone and the world and the vibe sort of right. For me, it's a bit of both. Like, I think there are some video games where you need that connection to the source material and deviating from it loses the magic of that, of what made the game great, what makes the source material interesting. And I think in many ways, a Resident Evil example is pertinent there. Like part of Resident Evil is, yes, the setting, you have that suspense, you have the, it's it's a survival horror game. Like that's key to it. Yes, it's become more actiony in some of its entries, but if you asked anyone what makes Resident, what what type of game Resident Evil is, they'll tell you it's a horror game. It's a survival horror game. So to turn, make a movie and make it into an action movie is really missing what makes it great. In contrast, one movie that was a more recent release was the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and I actually really enjoyed that the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yes, it has absolutely nothing to do with the video games aside from the characters. Or, and it even adds characters aren't in the video games because it has this whole idea that Sonic lives on Earth, which I don't believe he's ever mentioned in any game whatsoever. Oh, except Sonic Ghost 6, maybe, but that's not Earth. That's just he hangs out with humans and is really weird. <laughs> because I thought what Sonic the Hedgehog did well was it captured the spirit of Sonic, just the fun, the, the fun nature of what Sonic is. Like, that's what those original 16-bit games were about. It was about going fast. It was about frenetic platforming it's just about having a good time and i think that's what the movie does like it and i think that shows that you don't necessarily need to be fixed in the trappings of the game like oh in this game like he freed all the animals and then he defeated eggman and he was flying like a flying saucer robot thing and we need that moment in the movie there are some video games that if you made a movie of, you would want those set pieces in there. You would want you you probably would to retell the story of like the first game. But there's other ones that I think you can do some more interesting things with and still stay true to the spirit of the game and not end up with like what like your Max Payne's, like your Assassin's Creed's, like just weird adaptations that you watch it, you leave the cinema and you're just like, what what was that? What what was the point? Yeah, no, that's a good point because I think, you know, Sonic is an interesting example where you're right. I enjoyed it. I'm a, I don't know if I call myself a massive Sonic fan, but I've definitely played a good number of Sonic games. And, um, you know, I was able to go in and just kind of enjoy 
the vibes, you know, the good interpretation of Sonic himself and Eggman as well, for that matter, and sort of get excited about the idea of seeing like the Sonic cinematic universe in a sense, because um, it makes me think a little bit of Marvel, where I don't, I don't to be honest, haven't read all that many comic books, um, but I do understand through having wikied a lot of comic characters after seeing them in Marvel films, I realize that the the MCU does not follow any of the comic book guidelines strictly. It sort of takes elements of them and evolves them and changes them and creating its own take on that sort of space and those uh, franchises. And that feels like, you know, what Sonic did last year um, when it came out as a film and will continue to do with its sequel seemingly coming out um, and all, everyone getting excited by the uh, props of uh, Tails and Knuckles <laughs> uh, looking pretty uh, creepy <laughs> on set at the moment. I'm just hoping that there's a similar scandal over Tails as it was for Sonic, the CGI model. That was one of the funniest things on social media I've ever seen. Yeah, like a really just like sort of too realistic sort of version of Tails that looks kind of like too much like a fox uh, and a little bit too, you know, beady eyed and creepy would be very good to see. If they don't do it, like as a, um, if they don't make that mistake, they definitely need to include it as like a blooper, like just like a scene like that. Of it, just all of them looking super weird and creepy. Like, imagine Knuckles looking like an actual sort of echidna with like a, a pointy sort of snout thing. That would be um, that would be pretty wild. Oh, definitely. I can't wait for it. I've just spent quite a lot of time bashing action movies and or in adaptations of video games that become action films. But don't get me wrong, I love action films, and I think some video game adaptations do handle it well in that. You think back to ones like Tomb Raider, which the first two Tomb Raider movies with Angelina Jolie and even the most recent one, like they aren't bad movies. They capture that, well, in reality, Tomb Raider as a franchise is just a ripoff of Indiana Jones with a female character. And I think that's what the movies do in many ways. And they do it successfully. Whether, yes, they could be much better movies, but I think they capture the feel, they, they capture the identity of the video game. And I think, that makes it stand up in its own right. But I think it's very easy for those movies to fall into the trap of, well, if you don't like the source material, you're probably not going to enjoy the movie. Yeah, that's a really interesting point of discussion around, like, the people that don't know the source material and whether they can or can't enjoy it. Because, like, I think about Sonic last year, Detective Pikachu, I took my, you know, partner to see those, and they're they're not, you know, particularly into Sonic uh, and they know a bit about Pokemon and they had a good time because they didn't require you to know a lot about the franchises to get, you know, enjoy the plot, I suppose, and just the, the characters. But they certainly had a lot of things that if you were fans of those, you got a lot of, you know, a big kick out of like there's some fun, definitely a lot of fun references and Easter eggs in Sonic that are quite subtle and some that are less subtle. Um, and <laughs> You know, you can sort of tell when you're in the cinema and me and a bunch of others laugh and there's just a few others that are like, what is everyone laughing at? I don't understand. That's, you know, I think a really good sort of balance um, to hit with these kind of films where you can absolutely enjoy them and a um, as, as an outsider, I suppose, to the fan- fandom and the franchise. And that really hits on what makes a good film that is adapting something else. Because, well, that's what Marvel has hit on with their many, many, many Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Because before Iron Man in, well, late 2000s, I can't remember the exact year, 
2008 or so. But before that, superhero movies were a bit cliched. Like comic book enthusiasts love them. A lot of them were cult films, like things like Flash from the 80s or Flash from the 70s, The Watchmen and movies like that that, if you were an enthusiast, you'd love it. If you were an enthusiast, you'd appreciate it. But for the general public, it was, oh, that's just a weird sort of comic book movie. Like, oh, I might go watch it, but I'm not really invested. Whereas Marvel flipped the script and they just, they, they managed to nail that formula of it's open to all comers. Enthusiasts would love it. The uneducated would love it. And it built that community. It built that momentum and it it created a phenomenon. And I think... So far, there's no real video game movie that has been able to crack that nut. I think some come close. Like, I think things like Sonic and Detective Pikachu come close, but they still fall short in the end. They don't get that mass appeal. They, they don't get that cut through that is, pretend, is out there, is, is possible. Yeah, and I, I wonder how much that has to do with, like, if we look at those films that have sort of been commercially successful and to an extent critically successful depending on which ones we're about to talk about but um sonic detective pikachu sort of family kid whatever you want term you want to use films um then we've obviously mentioned back in the day stuff like resident evil's done very well again that actiony sort of film but there hasn't been anything that really hits the the heights of or the right sort of gap i suppose as something like a Lord of the Rings is to to books, I suppose, or a um, you know, Marvel, as you sort of said, is to is to comic books in terms of the both you know commercial success and popularity, and to an extent as a critic success, depending on which film we're talking about. And it'd be curious to think about why that is. There's no reason it can't be done, right? If there is a a good video game worth basing something off that could hit those heights, and b it is executed well. And I know a lot of the video games that are most celebrated for some of their best plot elements have never really made it to the screen, but have often been discussed about being made, you know, getting made into films. Like some stuff that people throw around a lot are like Metal Gear Solid, Bioshock, have sort of been sort of rumored or maybe even signed on for deals and then just never come to fruition. And it's really interesting to think about, I guess, why that is. And if they did, successfully make those films could they reach the heights of a you know some of the most successful other types of adaptation films that have been released throughout history or is it just not possible (laughs) and video games films aren't able to get that level of quality that's the i guess the alternative i'd be a foolish man indeed to say something's impossible so i'm not going to go that far but i think there's not to beat a dead horse but i think there is something to the fact that a lot of times when someone talks about like metal gear solid or bioshock as like great story experiences a their recollections and memories of that is very deeply intertwined with that interactivity portion of the experience like they remember oh the moment when you enter the room or oh the moment that psychomantis makes you change the controller port of your ps1 or gamecube because it he breaks the fourth wall on you and just moments like that that make the experience memorable and enjoyable and when you translate to that to the silver screen when you translate that to films i think 
that old adage comes forth in that a lot of people say, oh, that video game had a good story for a video game. There's that qualifier. And I think it's hard to break through that qualifier in that you can think of a lot of AAA games that have fantastic stories, but it's always in the context of, oh, it's a good story for a video game. And I think that's one of the stumbling blocks in that books tend to have that stronger narrative, that stronger story, because, well, authors have to craft that image. They have to craft the narrative through words. So a screenwriter for a film has a lot more to play with than when it comes to a video game would be the argument I'd put forth. Mm, That makes sense. One of the other challenges that I think books face as well, and some tackle them, some films tackle them very well and others don't, but definitely is present for video games, is just the difference in length, I suppose, as well. Like video games, you know, Metal Gear is is not a short game (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination, even if you cut out all the gameplay um, or, you know, shrunk it down to represent a more actionable scene uh, in a movie, it'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to get it down to two hours, uh, or even if you're being generous, three, if it was a, a really long film. But again, I guess that, that I wonder how much that matters if, in terms of the storytelling, like, could those stories be condensed when, sort of, as we sort of said before, not following it word for word, the, um, the, the script or the plot of the original Source game, but instead sort of having it more carry over the general maybe key plot elements with the vibes of the game. Uh, I wonder if that's something that hasn't quite been cracked yet by filmmakers who take on these tasks. I definitely think you have a point there because I was about to counter that with, well, they managed to adapt books and a lot of books are quite mammoth undertakings. A lot of them are quite long. But but the converse of that is that a lot of long books are much better suited to TV series, TV show adaptations. Like, you see a lot of BBC miniseries of classic novels like War and Peace, like anything from Jane Austen, and those will generally be at least sort of three to five episodes. And in that time, you you have enough time to craft the narrative, to go places where the book goes and do interesting things with that source material. And you even see that with films and books like Or Hunger Games and... Harry Potter and The Hobbit. They'll split a single book into two, or unfortunately in The Hobbit's uh, circumstance, it splits it into three different movies. And the current adaptation of Dune, which comes out at the end of the year, is doing that. So I think you're onto something in that. For a lot of... It's hard. If it's a more complex story, it is hard to synthesize it into an hour and a half, into two hours, into two and a half hours. Like... You don't want too much blood in the movie. Not every movie can be like Gone with the Wind and The Irishman. and They can't be all three-hour epics. There's a balance that needs to be met, and I think video games suffer it as much as a lot of books suffer it. There's just something eluding the adaptation of video game into a movie that will, will break that glass ceiling, will create something. I don't want to be dramatic, but it will go down in history as, oh, that was the first video game film that was great. Like, that was the one that is the gold standard. We we haven't seen that yet. I also wonder, just sorry, while you were talking, it made me think a little bit about, like, the people involved in making these films, right? Primarily, I guess, the, you know, director and any hands-on producers, knowing that there's a lot of producers that never actually touch a film. 
or game for that matter. If the credits has an actor in a producer role, that is generally what's happened. Yeah. But I wonder if there's also the element of, you know, taking the time to for at least key people to read a book is, or maybe not the time, but the ability for most key people to read a book and actually just absorb it and then begin script writing or their directing or whatever it may be is maybe a lot less of a barrier to entry for them than saying, hey, you 40-something-year-old person or 50-something-year-old person who maybe doesn't play games, we want you to make a film based on this game, which is why for maybe years we didn't see a ton of great video game films because they weren't coming from people who actually took the time to to properly play through whether they're going to be like a Doom or a, you know, Resident Evil and understand what it is about those games that makes them good. Instead, they were just going off some some Wikipedia-style summaries of, of everything. And for the record, I have no evidence that those two films I mentioned were made by directors and people that are in that boat. I'm just thinking more uh, in general. Uh, I wonder if that plays into it a bit. Oh, I definitely agree. If you think of a lot of the major examples of video game movies, especially the ones in the 90s and early 2000s, they all related to video games that were huge at the time. Like you think of all Super Mario Bros. Oh. in the early 90s. I've never actually watched any full, but I've seen... I, I have. My condolences. I've seen <laughs> enough of it through clips and YouTube videos and the like to not to ever watch it in full. I've got it on DVD or something, so next time you come over, let's, uh, <laughs> I know what I'm putting on. <laughs> oh, I de- actually, yeah, I'd definitely borrow that from you. That would be very interesting to do. I'm going to hate it, but anyway, I digress. And you had other examples like, well, the Street Fighter film, which I have actually mm. watched. That is that is an experience in itself. It has nothing to do with Street Fighter in many ways. It's, well, it has the characters, but pretty much nothing else. And I think there's just so many examples like that, that it just shows that in many ways, I think the production companies are green light them. They're like, oh, this is popular at the time. We can make some dollaroos from this and then we can ride off into the sunset and never think about it again i don't know if many of them ever had illusions of oh this is going to be like the citizen kane of video game movies this is going to be an all-time epic i think there have been some examples of that like prince of persia was clearly an attempt to do something successful Mm. something big that was part of disney's live action push of the mid to late 2000s had involvement from the original director of the game. I can't remember his name at the moment. I think it's Jordan Neckham, I think. We'll go with that. (laughs) And it was just average, honestly. It it just didn't particularly capture anything unique from what Prince of Persia is. And I think often a lot of the... If you think about it, a lot of the video game films just either fall into the category of, oh, it's a big, great action film. It's like Doom or... Max Payne went, oh, we'll get Mark Wahlberg and it'll be a good movie when sort of Mark Wahlberg's only good in like every fifth movie he's in. But not to bash Marky Mark a bit too much because Marky Mark's a legend, but I think it's either falls into the category of, oh, it's a B-grade action movie or it had a good go, but it just fell short. And I think that category is endless. There are so many films and so many examples that fall in that category. Like I think of, or Prince of Persia, or I think of probably, uh, yeah, I'll put, I'd, I'd put Tomb Raider in there, I'd put the World of Warcraft movie in there. There's just so much that 
it tried to build a multiple film franchise and just they all fall short. Monster Hunter came out earlier in the year and fits that category. Yep. Another horrible video game film of very recent uh, times. It's interesting, though, because, again, while you were talking about Prince of Persia, it made me think of uh, the Assassin's Creed movie, which was also pretty bad, I thought, at least. I don't know if you've seen it. Yep. I have seen it, unfortunately. It is not Michael Fassbender's best work. Because that's a good, interesting one, because if I recall correctly, that was really touted at the time by Ubisoft, because they're like, this is our one of our sort of first of what they planned to be many film initiatives that they were going to do semi-in-house, I guess, with their oversight. And yet it still ended up being bad. So, I mean, it can go to show you that just having heavy involvement from the original creator or the company that has, you know, rights and and control over the the IP doesn't always stop a train wreck um, for one reason or another. Again, maybe it was just because of it being Assassin's Creed and maybe they listened a bit too much to people whispering in their ear about like, you know, what you have to do to be successful as a film um, and make the money back. But it still was a bit of a shame because it was kind of, I was left a bit hopeful that because they were overseeing it, it would actually end up being quite good. Cause it's again, it's one of those series that had a lot of potential to be a pretty decent film in its own right and could tell a completely original story quite well, uh, given the plot structure of that video game franchise. Definitely. It it can't be said that people haven't attempted the impossible. There's been some admirable attempts, and you'd think if anything was going to be successful, that had a shot at it. That that had all the right things. It had the creator of Assassin's Creed, or one of the creators of Assassin's Creed was involved with it. I think the main creator was that guy, that um, Patrice Desolais, who was sort of forced out of Ubisoft and then they bought his development studio, cancelled his game and then kicked him out. I've always found that story interesting and I'm sure will come up in a future episode. But going back to topic, it had the building blocks and it fell short. And I think one thing we should probably put a caveat in this discussion is that making a good movie is not easy. Like there's production companies that put tens of millions of dollars into a film and the movie turns out it's trash. Like, you're not just, it's not a sort of thing you just throw money at. It's a hard formula to knuckle down in the best of times. So I don't want to be too harsh on adaptations because there are clearly some where they try. There's clearly some where they put the effort in and they just haven't got it right at the end of the day. Maybe it's just a poor script. It's a poor, a subpar director, just not great actors, like there's many aspects that make a good film. But I think there's just so many examples of poor ones. There's so many, yes, a lot of them were Uwe Boll getting cheap licenses to video games, just putting heaps out because he got it. He literally got a tax write-off to do it from the German (laughs) government. So he would just make all these movies and just keep on getting write-offs. They'd all like be massive losses but he'd still somehow make money and i guess that just shows a great businessman not a great filmmaker Mm, yep and i think if anything sometimes the business is what gets in the way of uh of these things being good you know if, if it was just giving some of these creators as much money as they wanted to make you know a faithful adaptation of a or not maybe a faithful is the right term but a adaptation of a game that they wanted to make and not thinking about mass market appeal 
I'd be curious to see if that would generate a better outcome than what we've seen historically for the most part, despite, again, some some highs. A side area of discussion that's directly related to what we're talking about that we probably need to discuss is what about movies that are influenced by video games that aren't adaptations of a video game per se, but are deeply influenced by video games or video game culture, like... Some of the, I can think of some absolute terrible ones off the bat, like, let's just get it out of the way and say Pixels. Pixels should never be discussed again. I I have watched Pixels. I I want the time spent watching Pixels back, but it exists. It's out there. Ready Player One, which we've actually weirdly referenced many times in this podcast. I don't really know why it keeps on coming up, but that's another one that's clearly influenced by well, more technology in many ways and probably has some, you, you could argue is more of a sort of cyberpunk game than a purely just based on a video game, but clearly has video game influences seep through there. And then one that needs to be discussed because I think it is a very good movie because I, I enjoyed it back when I first watched it is Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph is oh, yeah, Rick- clearly a video game. Well, it has video game characters in it. Yes, it's a unique story, unique setting, but it's, it's clearly a video game movie in many ways. Yeah, I mean, Wreck-It Ralph is probably the standout of the three you've mentioned in many ways because it has nice references and it's fun without going too hard on it, I suppose. It doesn't like it doesn't feel like the Ralph is pointing at the reference to you all the time. It just kind of feels like this would naturally happen in the world of, of Wreck-It Ralph, I suppose, where all these arcade machines connect and sort of, you know, Toys R uh, not Toys R Us, God, uh, <laughs> Toy Story style come to life at night. <laughs> um, yeah, to- Toys R Us not coming to life at all, as opposed to like Pixels, which I don't even know how to, yeah, it's, yeah let's not even talk about it. I-, I think someone was on an acid trip when they came out with Pixels. I haven't actually seen Pixels, but the general premise reminds me a lot of just that one episode of Futurama with the video game aliens come down and... um and and take it or try to invade the world and i'm like i feel like someone saw that and just tried to make it into a a you know one and a half hour movie or whatever it is and that someone was um as you said very high on many things the only other one i was going to bring up and it's going back a lot further in time and i don't even know if it's fair to say it is inspired by video games or anything like that but it definitely gets associated with games a lot is um is tron yes of course yeah which is obviously a, a fantastic film and it's well, i guess set of films because tron legacy is also very very good and that's another sort of interesting way to see where game elements come into play without necessarily even needing reference to us don't need to throw sonic and mario and that kind of stuff in there to you know pac-man eating you up um kind of references but just referencing gaming, I guess, in general, into a uh, pretty fantastic film. And to its credit, Ready Player One, at least the ref- the direct reference of video games is a very deep cut, because I believe they there's a section of the movie where they play Adventure, which is an Atari 2600 game. Yep. I've read the book and seen the movie. Uh, why, why? Don't ask me. Um, but, yeah, that that is correct. Uh, I think Adventure and Joust, maybe, gets referenced at some point. Maybe that's the book. At least they're deep cuts. It's not sort of an in-your-face like, oh, we paid for like a Uncharted reference. He's Nathan Drake. But then the movie also paid 
or maybe got paid to feature Battleborn. So, I don't know. <laughs> there was terrible marketing in there as well, which I think shows why we can put Ready Player One on the same level as Pixels. Sorry, Steven Spielberg. Mm, yep. And there's also, I mean, in the same vein of uh, films, I suppose, there's some decent-ish documentary series that cover games, whether it's games as a broad concept or specific games. Whether they're good or not, I think a lot of people argue, but I remember some of the earliest ones that I saw were a lot of the two-player production films. Uh, like, uh, I think they did Indie Game the Movie, I think, or maybe I'm wrong. And there was the the quote-unquote Minecraft movie, which is just not taking the game and adapting it, but the story of its creation, um, which maybe now, in hindsight, is less... I don't know how to put it, inspiring uh, the story of how, how that game got created. Now we've sort of learned a bit more, or got to know, I should say, the uh, creator a bit better. Uh, and that's why we all instead will watch the latest Hatsune Miku film instead and pretend that they, she is the creator of Minecraft. <laughs> Those can be quite interesting as well, but also none of them that I can think of have ever gotten a theatrical release. So I don't know if that really disqualifies them from this discussion. Yeah, I guess probably they, they definitely do fall more into that documentary category of things but it it does also make me think of tv shows based on video games like i I don't think there's been many off the top of my head unless you talk about pokemon and anime series like that which you can Mm. like i think the most recent one would be castlevania on netflix i think was a very good adaptation watching season four right now (laughs) vaguely based on castlevania 3 and i mean vaguely like like we've mentioned before, it has the same characters but goes in its own direction and it go, it, it's handled really well. And actually, one that I've always enjoyed was not really a TV series, but more of a web series was the Halo Forward Onto Dawn, which they released mm-hmm. in the lead up to, I think it was Halo 4 that was a lead up to. Sounds about right. Well, I, I remember watching it on Machinima and Machinima hasn't been a thing for a very long time. So I'm going to say Halo 4. And I think... That was actually well put together and well done. Yes, a bit, probably a bit cheesy in many ways and a bit cliched, but I think it it captured that Halo aesthetic quite well. And that's one that we can add to your Metal Gear Solid and Bioshock list of ones that people have always wanted a TV show or a movie based on it. And we've never, we haven't got there yet. Microsoft's clearly attempted it many times, but it hasn't happened yet. And I think... That's one that, if done correctly, could take off because we like to jump around a lot. But going back to the previous point, I think what would potentially make a good adaptation is it needs to capture the element of the franchise, of the video game, but do more with it. And I think not many have tried to expand in a meaningful way because for many parts... Because in many ways, many video, most video games are blank canvases. Like, yes, there's sort of an overarching narrative. There's a world that's developed. But the nature of player characters, a lot of them are generally hollow. They're facsimiles. They aren't really... They aren't that in-depth. They aren't that fleshed out. So there's definitely a lot of room. There's a lot to play with. But I just feel not... There hasn't been an example of a director or a screenwriter who has gone the extra mile and... I guess, had the backing and have the courage to attempt it. It it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, no, it hasn't happened yet. But there's definitely, you know, contenders coming out constantly. It's it's not stopped. I mean, I'm just 
just now on Twitter. Maybe because it's spying on me and here's what we're talking about. But I saw that um, J.J. Abrams has confirmed that the Portal movie is coming with Warner Brothers producing it. And I assume he's the director or something. Otherwise, why is he the one confirming it? Which worries me. (laughs) (laughs) Not because he's bad, but because, again, Portal to me is a perfect marriage of gameplay and uh, humor and story. Not subtracting the gameplay, I think, is a massive loss to that. Could be good. <laughs> at least it's not Uwe Bowl. No, at least it's not Uwe Bowl. Uh, and then also thinking about other stuff that we've, we know we're starting to see the leaked or maybe their official sort of screens of um, the Uncharted movie with, um, gosh, what's the young guy called? Uh, that plays Tom by, Holland. Tom Holland and uh, Mark Wahlberg. And I'm very much enjoying people saying, wait, which one's playing Nathan Drake? Because, uh, yeah, Mark Wahlberg does not look like Sully at all. Maybe he's playing Max Payne. Perhaps it's actually Max Payne in disguise. And also another very like circular set of references where you've got Uncharted, which is kind of like Tomb Raider with a man, which is kind of like Indiana Jones with a woman. And it's, you know, gone from film to game (laughs) to game to film. Anyway, we don't have to think about that too hard. So what you're saying is they should have casted Harrison Ford as Nathan Drake. Honestly, probably would have made a lot of sense, actually. Well, um, why not just make it happen? Uh, or if not Harrison Ford, um, God, I'm blanking. Who played his uh, Indiana's son? Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, sure. Shia LaBeouf is uh, Nathan Drake. There you go. <laughs> Scrap what you filmed and start again. Uh, actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. And then the other one, which I'm personally very excited for, but obviously I think will be because it's animated, will get classed differently, is the the next take on the on Super Mario Brothers as a film, albeit by the company that does Minions, but obviously again very heavy involvement from Nintendo to the point where they just recently appointed, I think the director or maybe the studio head, I can't remember which, as a um a director on their their board in the company, which is interesting. Either they've got a lot of faith in him or there's a lot of um, backdoor shady money deals going on. Not sure which. (laughs) Or, yes, because we all know that Nintendo is run by Warrior at the end of the day. So I think there's many bags of gold coins on the offing. When that article came out a few weeks ago that they uh, don't do business with the Yakuza, it's because they are actually the Yakuza with Wario being the the head of the family. True story. The video game Judgment is actually about Wario. Mm. And you'll just have to play it to find out. But yeah, I, in general, I am excited by all these and keen to see how they play out because I'm still hoping that one day there will be this, you know, amazing video game film that is getting. It doesn't have to win an Oscar. It doesn't have to, you know, win a whatever Academy Award thing um, at all. But I would love to see it at least get that kind of like Marvel level of recognition you know like enjoyed that much that would be sort of an ideal outcome and it's not because i feel like it's needed to validate the video game industry or anything like that it's just because i like games and i enjoy seeing people's takes on them in other mediums It, it i know a lot of people say why do we even care about video game films why do you not just play the game and be happy there and yeah i am happy when i play the game but it doesn't mean I'm not curious about seeing them try and take shape in other mediums, you know? 
there's a lot of video game board games that come out and it's always interesting to me to play those to see how they translate one gameplay experience into something very 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 different so you know books movies games board games you know take video games in all sorts of directions i'm I want to see these franchises, you know, experimented with and, and grow outside of where they came from. Oh, I exactly agree. Because at the end of the day, Zach, where would your life be without the Angry Birds film? A lot less emptier. And I probably have one extra DVD case on my um, you know, spot on my, my shelf. Uh, so that's where it'd be. <laughs> if you had to choose, what would you say is your favourite video game film and what's your least favorite video game film and why that's a good one favorite and least favorite hmm i'm trying to not go the obvious one but i think my favorite was detective pikachu uh obviously i'm a big pokemon fan so that should be like part of the reason why but also as someone who played the detective pikachu 3ds game you know it did a pretty good job at doing what we said with that Marvel does, hitting the keynotes from that game, but also taking it in other directions that the game didn't to better service the film. And I think that was a smart decision and, and it played very well. And that makes me excited for not a Detective Pikachu 2, but definitely other attempts at the Pokemon universe in that film style. Least favorite is a bit hard to think because the other issue which we sort of touched on a lot of the really quote-unquote bad ones like your um mortal combats and street fighters are actually kind of so bad they're good so it's hard to separate that kind of like element of enjoying them that way but it might actually be doom it might be doom like (laughs) we always go back to doom yeah i mean like it was it wasn't horrible in a sense it was dumb. Don't they go to hell? Yeah, they go. They, well, they do. But also, like, the only redeeming part of that film, in my mind, was the bit where they did the first person action scene, like as a like a first person <laughs> shooter. That was yeah. probably the coolest bit. Everything else about it was just, yeah, it was just bad, <laughs> um, and not bad in a funny way. That's the key element. Whereas, like, Super Mario Brothers and the Mortal Kombat and stuff are so bad they're funny in some ways, but this was just bad, bad. <laughs> just bland and boring for what should have been like a pretty awesome action film you know maybe if it was like left to its i can't remember if it was rated ma or what but you know i can totally see a good adaptation of doom just rated r with just some really gory intense slaughtering going on and it would be great but that's not what this was and that was such a shame but i'll flip the question back on you favorite least favorite I think for me, I've already mentioned it, but my favourite would probably have to be Sonic the Hedgehog. And I think that's probably because there's not really that many good movie adaptations of video games. But I I really enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought it was a bit more interesting than Detective Pikachu. Like, I think Detective Pikachu got a lot of things right, but there's just something about it that didn't sit entirely well with me. I think, first off, I found a lot of the human characters quite annoying and there's just (laughs) a lot of little bits and pe- and Ryan Reynolds sort of did get a bit too much towards the end as the voice of Detective Pikachu. Like, I think it was great for the novelty factor, but it's, it just keeps on going on and on and on, and you, you sort of end the movie thinking of, oh, thank God it's over. Don't have to listen to Ryan Reynolds pretend to be Pikachu anymore. 
But I think Sonic was able to capture that just cheekiness of Sonic. The ridiculousness of the fact that Sonic is interacting with humans. Like, you can tell that all the actors were, like, in on the fact that, like, this is... This was just a dumb idea. Like, this shouldn't be a movie, but it is. So, let's just go with the flow and take it to... Well, I was going to say the logical conclusion, but there is nothing logical about that movie. I think it just works as that sort of family children's film. And I think it, it captures aspects of video games, especially the fun aspect of video games, that a lot of adaptations haven't been able to do. And I guess to flip it, probably there's much worse video game movies than the one I'm going to talk about. But mm. I'd probably have to say the Ratchet and Clank film because... Oh, yeah. I think it was just a really big disappointment. Like, I wouldn't say it's a terrible movie by any metric, but it's not good. It's just like it's late 90s or early 2000s children cartoon, but stripped of any fun whatsoever. It reminded me a lot of the 90s Buzz Lightyear cartoon, but without the fun of the 90s Buzz Lightyear cartoon. Buzz Lightyear and Star Command, which I enjoyed growing up, but this Ratchet and Clank feel that just... It didn't really capture what makes that an interesting franchise, what makes Ratchet and Clank fun characters. It was just, it, it tried to do it. it. It tried so hard to capture, like, the cockiness and the, all, all those personalities that the characters embody, but it doesn't do it effectively. It's not memorable at all, and it was just, yeah, it, it was a disappointment at the end of the day, and I... I remember watching it and thinking, oh, well, I just wasted a couple of hours watching that. I, I wish I had chosen something else to watch. Yeah, I um, I had a lot of hope for that one because it looked like it should have been a very safe bet just to get, you know, tick the box, get it right. Didn't have to be blow anyone away, but should have made Ratchet and Clank fans quite happy. And the fact that it didn't, I think, is incredibly disappointing. So I can sort of appreciate that you know, I, I saw it and agree it wasn't a super exciting film by any stretch of the imagination, but I wasn't yet that invested in the Ratchet and Clank universe, so I also didn't feel too strongly that it was was pretty bland. So yeah, no, but I can appreciate yeah from someone who did like the series going into it, it is a letdown. So yeah, uh, I yeah I'd forgotten about that <laughs> until you brought it up, which probably speaks to how forgettable it is. I vaguely remembered there was one I wanted to talk about, but I couldn't remember it until it just sort of clicked and I was like, oh, that existed. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like it at all. <laughs> well, maybe to finish off, pick a video game that has not been adapted into a film or we don't know already is being adapted into a film that you want to see made into a full-length uh, you know, full feature film going to premiere at the cinema, assuming COVID stops and we're out of lockdown. <laughs> Uh, if not, it'll be for $30 on Disney Plus or something like that um, to stream. What game or, or series do you want to see brought to the big screen? Oh, this is an excellent question and a very hard one as well. I could go for some joke answers for you. Like I could say like Waluigi's love, like Hot Tub Time <laughs> Machine or something along those lines. But I think what would be a good adaptation would be a Metroid movie. And not like Other M, which was clearly trying to be a movie but failed. But if you made a Metroid film along the model of, let's say, the original Alien film, the Aliens films, I think it mm. would be a very good atmospheric movie if you got those notes correct. Because I think as a franchise Metroid, if you 
again, discount other M. It's a blank canvas. There's not really there's not really much development that has gone on with the characters, but it's an interesting well, in many ways you could argue it's just a generic sci fi setting, but I think it has the scope to do something interesting, which would be ironic because clearly it is heavily influenced on Alien to begin with. I think that would be a fun movie if done right. Yeah, and it's definitely one that's been talked about a lot um, as a thing that people have been interested in and this may or may not have been people signing up for directing it or getting the rights to it and it's just never really come to fruition, which is pretty interesting. Uh, maybe it just needs the next Metroid game to actually come out and be a hit for, for more studios to want to wanna run with it. Could be Could be very good if handled properly. I'm thinking about what I want to do and I'm just like looking around the room and I saw like Animal Crossing and I'm like oh wait there's already an Animal Crossing movie which is also quite good and you should see it never released yep. in English though. <laughs> oh right yeah there is it's it's similar to how there's an Ace Attorney film yep also very good actually now I think about it the Ace Attorney film might be my favourite that is a very good film uh, and if you're not a- opposed to foreign cinema check it out I think you can even just buy it or rent it or you know, obtain it through whatever legal mean you want. That's easiest. Uh, I'll leave it at that with an official translation, unlike Animal Crossing, which is not translated officially at all. Because is that just subtitles or is there an English dub? Of, of Ace Attorney? I've only seen subtitles. There might be a dub, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I get really off put by watching like live action dubs. I don't know. Like animation is one thing. The lips is so weird. Yes. And, and also just like, yeah, the lips is the main thing. It just doesn't work. And sometimes the voice, like, pairings just don't feel right. Like, the person just doesn't look like they should sound that way. Or if you compare the, you know, original country's voice to whatever. Anyway, big tangent I can go on, but we won't. <laughs> look, thinking about it more, there's, I mean, there's a lot of series that could or couldn't make very good movies. And there was one that, I think technically an animated movie has maybe been announced, but I'm going to say it anyway. And to be honest, I'm saying it could work as a live action movie, and that's To the Moon, which is an indie game that is available on PC and Switch and everything these days. Um, new one in the series is coming out quite soon, actually. It's a very story heavy game. It's not a ton of gameplay, which I think helps a little bit with some of the issues we've talked about. Uh, secondly, it's not a long game. It's about three or so hours from memory. So, again, not a lot needing to be condensed to fit within a film. But also, a lot of its themes, without spoiling it, I think would work and translate well for anyone to see. Like, I don't think it's, you know, so nerdy or so, like, weeb-like that it only sort of works for people like me who like anime and video games a lot. I think... If you adapted it into like a, a full budget f- feature length film, the plot would be received very well by just the general public. Without, yeah, again, without saying too much, it's sort of like like a Christopher Nolan sort of film meets something along the lines of The Notebook. Is probably how I'd sort of describe it. So, with the right love and attention, I think could be a massive success as a film. And I know it's a bit of a cop out answer because, as I said, it is structurally an easy game to turn into a film but i think that's where we got to start you know take the easy wins with some sort of more narrative uh less gameplay focused and in this case short games and then uh, work our way up to the big stuff that we've uh, been getting 
not always right over the last 30, 40 years or so. Well, exactly. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, when you look at cinema as a medium, well, it's those smaller indie films that ask the most questions, that that stay with you, that build up interesting characters and do innovative things because they take that risk, they're risk takers. And I think that's the circuit breaker that a lot of these franchises need is that they need just someone willing to take a risk, willing to try to do something interesting with a video game franchise, even if it is relatively simple, if it's to make something truly worth watching and to build the legitimacy of the... But yes, not all video game films need to be things like, oh, Monster Hunter, which has big explosions and all oh, the US military has been implanted in this film for absolutely no reason. And yes, <laughs> there's some cool, like there's some, to, to that, that movie's credit, there are some very excellent monster, like battle, monster hunt scenes. Like there are some great moments in that film from a CG perspective, but it's like, what, why is there a UN military mission? Why have they been transported to the monster hunter world? You could have set this movie in the monster hunter universe and lost absolutely nothing for doing so. And then there's things like, well, one that's probably still in cinemas in Australia would be Mortal Kombat. And Mm. I actually must say I enjoyed Mortal Kombat. Would I say it's a fantastic film? No, I'd say it's about 5 out of 10 or maybe a 6 out of 10, depending on what side of the bed I woke up today. But (laughs) it was fun. Like, it it doesn't pretend to be anything else other than, oh, this is just a, a dumb, like, martial arts movie based on a lot of those martial art movies from the 90s early 2000s and it just sticks with that formula it doesn't try to be anything that it's not and i think there's something to be said with that and doing that effectively isn't as easy as it sounds like we've said plenty of examples this episode like look at your dooms look at your max pains look at hitman look at agent 47 like these are ones that just try to be run-of-the-mill action movies and aren't even interesting run-of-the-mill action films. I'd rather see something with Liam Neeson in it. I'd rather see something with Jason Stratham in it. I'd rather see The Expendables when they just get together all these has-been action stars and say, oh, this is going to be a movie that makes millions. It has actors that people liked many years ago. I think it's not an easy thing to make an action movie, and I think that's what a lot of these films and a lot of these directors often seem to forget that you just can't have explosions and call it a fun film. No, very well said and very true. Well, in case anyone was wondering, no, we haven't sold off the movie rights to blowing cartridges. So if you are keen to make a, the film about us, you can do it. Uh, just come have a chat, send us an email uh, at blowingcartridge at gmail.com with your pitch on why it should be you and how much money you're going to pay us. And we'll consider it, along with all the, I'm sure, thousands of other pitches we'll get from people like yourself. But if you really want us to pay attention to your pitch, if you link it to your five-star review on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now, that would help your odds, it's fair to say. And so would contacting Zach directly on Twitter at Egarino or contacting me directly at Tamazoid on Twitter or lurking through our Facebook page at Blowcart Pod or Blowing Cartridges Podcast on Facebook. We do sometimes check that. Yes, and Twitter as well at Blowcart Pod if you prefer to attack the, the show and not us 
on that uh, on that platform. We accept no ownership of blowing cartridges LLC. It is a separate entity. Yeah, but we will absolutely sell you our movie rights for Bunny if you want to give us some. But until then, you'll have to just keep listening to our voices and think, you know, imagining what we look like. And let us know who would play us in the film. We'd love to know. I reckon Mick Jagger would play you, Zach. Interesting. I mean, because of my, like, heavy use of drugs and my wonderful rock attitude. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going for. Fair enough. Who would play you? I mean, maybe like a... You know, this is going to be offensive, but I'm going to say like a Daniel Radcliffe, and it's only because you wear glasses, and he was Harry Potter, who, who wears glasses. <laughs> Just because I was called Harry Potter when I was 10, even though, well, I'm half Asian, so I look nothing like Harry Potter. <laughs> now, I find this very offensive, and uh, th- this podcast is over. Good day to you, sir. I- I'm not coming back. See, this is the kind of drama you could have in the film of us, if you so want to make it. Anyway, thank you everyone for joining, and until next time, um, I don't know, go watch a movie, I guess. Uh, What else are you going to do? If you're in Melbourne, you're in lockdown, (laughs) and probably many other places in the world for that matter.